Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. Sight for sore eyes. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. It's now after Labor Day here and everybody is kind of, it's kind of like this really cruel, like turn the lights on at the end of the night of club. Mm. Everybody's been enjoying the summer. Oh, you know, people have been working really hard this summer. All the folks that all my clients have been working really hard at work. But there's something about the summer brain and summer attitude that all of a sudden you have this massive long weekend Labor Day. Oh, it's just great. And then all of a sudden, boom, school, work, and all the deliverables. Like now we're back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. People are reeling. But folks, if you've made it this far, you're doing great. Exactly. We're back at work. You can do it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, How are things going on on your side of the pond? Um, well, we have had some very sad news actually on our side of the pond. Oh, yeah, actually. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. Queenie has passed away. The queen. After yeah. being our queen for 70 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so it's only just happened. We are in a state of national mourning mm-hmm. and the funeral has been announced for a week today. Mm. Right. So, yeah, it is really sad news. There was a lot of rumblings, um, about the fact that it was going to happen or that it had happened and they hadn't announced mm-hmm. it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of things like the news presenters at the BBC changed into black. Mm. So you kind of think people must have known beforehand before it was made publicly known anyway. But um, so, yeah, so it's just been, there's been a lot of news obviously about it. Um, mm-hmm. Some really interesting stories that have come out about the Queen that I didn't even know. Um, so it's almost mm. kind of, you get to relive her life again, which is really lovely. Mm. And she had like, whether you were a royalist or not, like I think she has done a tremendous job mm. and mm. I don't know how you could fault it, even if you're not a big fan of the monarchy. Right. But to have kind of served her her country for so long mm-hmm. and kind of you know as well as being a wife and mother all of those things like I mean and up until what was it a couple of days before she died she um had to swear in a new prime minister so yeah um you know she was still working so you yeah. weren't right absolutely hats, hats yeah. off to her yeah yeah so yeah very yeah. sad times um yeah. lots of people kind of um discussing it and reflecting and just really kind of um absorbing the information i think yeah so, and as a canadian a commonwealth country yeah so we kind of i kind of had because i didn't sort of know how this sort of change of the guard mm. affects us and so i was yeah. reading and, and we have an official manual like we have procedures on yeah. on sort of what to do uh, and then also, I didn't know this, but like, so now we have a King of Canada, mm. King Charles of Canada. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm a, I'll, <laughs> I, even yeah. so here, they ha- so now, I mean, we're so used to singing um, God Save Our Gracious Queen. Mm. I think it'll take a bit of getting used to just to replace that with King. Mm-hmm. But also the um, money, stamps, telephone oh. boxes, royal oh. seals, like everything has to change. Oh my gosh, that's quite expensive. It's momentous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, I imagine that's going to come under some scrutiny. It's funny because as a, in I guess in Europe, that was kind of a commonplace thing, but I suppose some people will sort of scrutinize that and say, do we really need to sort of 
yeah, I suppose the, the relevance of the monarchy is always coming under scrutiny. Uh, oh, always. I mean, yeah. you've never not challenged it. There was something the other day that they said um, about, it was one of the Queen's kind of first events, I think it was, or something that she was attending. And um, she was really worried that there wasn't going to be kind of a big turnout. But actually, the support for the Queen has been um, the most that it's ever been for, for the monarchy. And it's got stronger mm. and stronger and stronger. Mm. So I think there is a lot of support out there. Mm. Well, interesting times. Quite an interesting time in history that we are in. Yes, absolutely. It is. is. Yeah. Oh, it is funny too. Yeah, here in Canada, like a lot of our flags are at half mast and that sort of thing. So, yeah, they will. They'll probably stay there until the funeral because I think um, they're probably recognizing the full mourning period. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think um, our parliament comes back for a special session for remembrances and uh, remarks. Yeah. yeah 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 it's funny but it's crazy though because she's always been there it's like a constant throughout mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. she's always been there yeah and now she's not very sad and i mean i don't want to be morbid but like we'll we'll probably see much faster turnaround in monarchs now from this point onward obviously well well yeah i mean he's in his 70s isn't he yeah so. this guy's not doing 70 years yeah. He's certainly not. Not without any, uh, not without any medical invention. <laughs> right, correct. You know, cryo and some pr- new inventions. But who, yeah. he, hey, who knows? Who knows? I know. They did say that in the future, people who are kind of um, more well off and and kind of more privileged in life will end up living until they're kind of like 150. Yeah. And oh, the rest man. of us, um, you know, will kind of pop off probably about 100 by then. Right. Um, because we are just living longer and longer and longer. Right. Because as we learn more about the human body, how to prevent um, kind of mm-hmm. disease and the things that would have killed us in the past, mm-hmm. it kind of stands to reason, doesn't it? I'm not 100% certain it's the right thing. but mm-hmm. And I guess that's why kind of you then get these other kind of events that then mm-hmm. kind of come along, which also kind of shake up the population a bit. Uh, indeed. Mm. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, hmm. If there's one thing, yeah, I just, I just don't know if, uh, if we're meant to hang out on the planet for that long, but I, I don't, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. It doesn't because, but I guess because we're used to having much shorter lifespans. Right. As right. humans. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, stay buckled in. <laughs> this is only the introduction. I know. I know. <laughs> Well, thank you. And sometimes, listen, we like to go on bunny trails. That's how we do. We it's do. what we do. It's what we do. How we roll. It's how we roll. So, listen. Okay, relationship desk of love. Yes. What's going on there? So, my relationship desk of love. It's going to be quite short, actually, but it is a bit of a nod to the Queen. Mm. So, um, they released quite a lot of kind of famous quotes about that the Queen had kind of um, shared, and one of them was, um, and I just thought it was lovely, and I really wanted to share it with everybody that's listening. Is grief is the price that we pay for love? <gasps> oh. and it just it really kind of touched my heart because we think often we think about grief, and 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 we're you know a lot of people are going to be reflecting at the moment about kind of um you know the the Queen how they feel about it are passing, so they're going to be going through that natural kind of grieving mm. period, and even I think those that aren't the strongest supporters will still feel a sense of loss in some shape or form um but that kind of you know that quote just really really Mm. hit at home to me and then there was one other quote that I'm going to share with you Mm. and again it kind of it really it stuck with me because it's something that I talk about a lot in the um relationship reset program that I do and and when we think about relationships and you know she was 
she was married, obviously, to Prince Philip for, I can't, I can't remember actually the exact time that they were married, but he only passed last year. And he's been by her side pretty much the whole of the time that she's been mm. in reign. And so you think about the couple, the, the, them as a couple, and even Prince Charles kind of played, paid tribute and said, you know, my mama is now off to meet my papa and mm. they can be together again. And mm. and you often see this in, in long-term relationships where the surviving partner dies you know, in reasonable quick succession. And, you know, they do say there is that kind of actually that longing to go and meet the partner again. Mm. Um, but this other quote was, it's worth remembering that it's often the small steps and not the giant leaps that bring about the most and lasting change. Mm. And I just think we have to sometimes think about that in the context of our relationships when we're faced with really, really tough, challenging situations or when we feel overwhelmed or overcome with the state of our relationship because it feels like there's mm. nowhere to turn. We're really feeling that kind of trapped um, position or we feel like it's just too exhausting. It's really worth remembering that it's those small, consistent mm. changes, those little baby steps that helps on to the next baby step and that over time will change the course of our relationship. Mm. Ah, yes. So yeah, a nod to the Queen there. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom for oh, all of your years indeed. of wisdom. Wow. Okay. Yes. Thank you. It's funny that the then the first quote, you know, the grief is the price that you mm. pay for love, and you know, there are some of us who are going through the yeah. loss of a relationship or the yeah. coming apart of a relationship, and yeah. um, it's not an unnatural or unhealthy thing to go through grief it's the price of having had that experience exactly and with love comes loss yeah by necessity at some stage and we still play that we because it's ultimately love is worth the pain yeah exactly Mm -hmm. okay wow okay big deep breath pick myself up off the floor yes (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I love I love moments of sadness. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got to experience a whole range of emotions. It's like a rainbow wouldn't be the same if a couple of colors were missing. Mm, yeah. So true. Mm. Okay. Oh. Shall I move us to a hot topic? Yes, please. Is there room for mistakes in your relationship? I freaking hope so. (laughs) 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 Or has that been my problem all along? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Is there room for mistakes in your relationship? I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there should be, right? Right. I think is kind of is the position on this. Mm -hmm. So there should be room for mistakes. Now, do we always allow for that? Mm Mm-hmm possibly not um you know do we have kind of different views I think there's there's quite a number of things when I think about this as a hot topic that come up um one of the first things that came to mind was um so Anna and I went to the same coaching school not at the same time different locations Mm -hmm. um but we've gone through exactly the same material and um got taught exactly the same things Mm -hmm. And part of that training was around having some foundation principles that are connected with how we, the kind of ethos of our coaching school and um, the ethos of, of how we coach with other people. 
And one of them, and it took me a long, long time to get my head around this, was quite simply put, there are no mistakes. Mm. And I was like, what? (laughs) And I spent a long time, me and another um, fellow coach who was in my training school, who I'm still friends with now, we spent an awful long time challenging this one because part of the training was you were encouraged to challenge things and we should all challenge things that were that we're not true about. We should be curious and um, and want to know more, want to dig a bit deeper. Um, but this was the hardest one for me to dig deep on mm. because, and I was thinking about it from a personal perspective, not necessarily from a kind of, um, from a relationship perspective, but that in itself kind of gives you some insight. So, you know, we had long debates about kind of, well, if you murder somebody, surely that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have those discussions? <laughs> oh, it's a good question. A really good. Qu- I think we we there was there was definitely some rich discussion for sure. I don't think it lasted as long because our cohort or perhaps didn't delve as deeply into that foundational mm. principle. But certainly, if you do spend yeah. time with it, like you could yeah. hang out on a mountaintop with that for years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's a philosophical question, very rife. Yeah, so it took me a long, long time to really kind of accept that what the principle kind of meant was that at the time that we're making decisions, we're making them in our best capacity. So we are making them with the information that we have. And um, and so we're doing, generally, we're doing the best that we can to kind of, to make the choices in our life. So therefore, if we're doing it and we think about it from that perspective, then um, surely it's not a mistake. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that came up really, really strongly was a lot of the time when we look back on something and we think it's a mistake, it's because we've got new information that we didn't have at the time. Mm-hmm. So the benefit of hindsight, which then says, well, actually, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. But at the time, we weren't aware of whatever that new bit of information, emotion, experience, um, something that we'd remembered that then kind of shone a new light on the action that we'd taken. Certainly. And and if you take a snapshot of the world at any given time and you see what's going Mm. on, it it feels like you can't say like that there are parts that are not meant to be because it leads into it is what it is. Everything yeah. that we see is what it is. And it's yeah. been a culmination of what's happened. It's like um, a massive forest fire that takes out hectares of land, which yeah. seems like a mistake. We should have pre- prevented that fire. And yeah. then in years to come, we see the new forest, you know, we see the new fauna coming up and the new flowers and so forth that needed the yeah. clean slate to be able to bring yeah. forth new Attracts life. new wildlife. Yeah. yeah. And like a relationship that falls apart and it seems like a mistake that it did so. And then you take a snapshot 15 years later and you realize that people are like in the place where they're like, I was really meant to be here. Yeah, it was where I was meant to be and my path is still there for me. If we're waking up, if we're waking up, anyways, philosophically, even if we don't wake up, that is also meant to be. Whatever happens gives space for something else to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. So is there room for mistakes in your relationship? Okay, so so maybe there's no such thing as a mistake. Um, how would you rephrase that then to sort of get at the intent of this hot topic, but yet say, well, what's another label for a mistake? Yeah, I don't really know about kind of relabeling it. I think what comes up for me when I think about um, in a relationship and mistakes is often we can have some really, really high expectations or we can have some really fixed wedded views about what should happen. Mm. And I 
okay now you've put me on the spot with the relabel and now I'm thinking of a relabel (laughs) it's more about that kind of being open to something different happening Mm -hmm. I think what happens when we have got these fixed views or really high bar that we expect somebody else to to attain then anything that falls short of that seems like a mistake Mm. but instead if we looked at it from the view of um, being more open more flexible more allowing people to kind of go through their own um you know their own decisions and supporting them and being there in the background if you know if there are consequences that need to be dealt with I think what tends to happen is we go kind of well I I told you so I told you that was a mistake Mm. and we're really locked down because we're so wedded to the view that we had in the first place that we you know we want to attach to that because we, because we want to be right and because mm-hmm. that makes us feel better about our life and who we are and the fact that we can make the right decisions mm-hmm. um but our partner can't um mm. then I think we can get really kind of stuck on that absolutely oh wow yeah and that, that's where the challenges come in in a relationship because we're not then coming from a place of kindness and love and support mm. and togetherness okay so I like the expectation angle because, again, we're, all, we're just human beings. So it's yeah. two humans or yeah. several polyamorous relationships. But let's just say two human beings. Human beings are by nature flawed. I think where I would like to, to rescript this is, is there room for me to show up? Is there room for me to show up in a way that I'm not proud of from time to time? Yes. Is there room for me to be inauthentic, untrustworthy, dishonest, lazy, unkind, unloving from time to time in my relationship Mm. the question is is like is there room for me to not show up as I'm proud of yeah there is and there should be but there there can't be all the time I would say yeah right so there's something about frequency because we talked the other week about um trust being a fundamental of a relationship and and it being kind of the founding uh, the foundation of, of happiness in your relationship yeah and when you do all of those things that you've just mentioned repeatedly time and time again the trust is eroded and you no longer have that in your relationship you kind of don't trust your partner to be able to show up for you in the right way and to do all the things that they say they're going to do and if you're the one that's then left kind of carrying the can then that feels one-sided in a relationship Oh, you've got it a hundred percent. And as a coach, we call that out. There's a couple that I was working with in particular, and one partner tended to sort of resort to tears quite often when mm. their shortcomings were were just highlighted by their partner. And they're like, "Oh, but you know, whatever, whatever." And they're sort of explaining away their lack of effort or their lack of um, kindness or their lack of whatever. And as a coach, I kind of reflect. I'm like, it sounds like this is happening on the majority scale, not the minority scale. So like, I don't expect, nobody expects anybody to be perfect, but when repeatedly time and again, they're showing up in a way that is not what their partner needs or not in a way that they would aspire to be, well then that, just like you say, it sounds like a pattern and it's eroding trust. So, and it's very hard to coach around where somebody's like, oh, but excuse this, that, and the other. And it's like, Mm. well, there's a pattern here. Is there room for mistakes or not showing up in the way that you would ideally want to in your relationship? Yes. But let's just say this was a question and a hot topic. Like, can I make mistakes in my relationship? I feel like I need to be perfect. Well, you know, what does that leeway to make mistakes actually give you? Does it allow you to be kinder to yourself? Or is it an excuse for not striving for what you ideally want to strive for in terms of showing up with love, accountability, and trustworthiness to somebody else. 
Yeah. And I think it depends on the mindset that you're going into it with. Because if we go with a mindset that actually I've got to be perfect for my partner, that feels heavy to me. That feels like it's going to weigh me down. It feels like, mm. God, I can never have a day off. I've, <laughs> you know, I've always got, I've just got to be on point every single time. Like that feels like hard work. Mm. But if I approach it from a mindset of, I want to show up and I want to just show love and kindness to my partner and I want to be, you know, I, w- I want to be as good as I can in that situation um, mm. and I want to do nice things for them, then that's different, I think, to that kind of pressure of feeling like I've got to be perfect. Mm. I like that mentality. I like that, like, I just want to try my best. I want to get up yeah. and try my best every day. And even when I'm not bringing my best... And, you know, and there that might be an apology to myself, an apology to my partner saying I'm sorry are two of the most powerful words in the world. I don't think I use it anywhere near as much as I need to. But I um, had to learn it. (laughs) I uh, totally right. I don't even think it was in my vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. Is there room for mistakes? What is this word that other people use? (laughs) Right. It's always good for other people. Not for. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, when you're not showing up in your integrity and then you know, like really genuine apologies, Mm. you know, I strive to do better that there's always room, you know, I'm a reformed Catholic. So like, you know, (laughs) when you do wrong, you just go into the confessional box. So many problems with that. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyways, I saw just super like a real, there's a church right by where my friends live, where I, where my dog stays. And the, there's a little sign out, like an electronic sign that says confessions by appointment. I'm like, man, it does seem like the church is contracting in its, uh, in its audience because now there's not even a set confession time. It's like, no. we're not even going to wait around because there's so few, few of y'all. So just, you can make an appointment if you need a confession. I, say, I, I bet it's on an app as well, is it? Probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> And then how does that stand with your anonymity if you've got to make a make an appointment? I mean, right? It's supposed to be anonymous, right? Like, right, indeed. It's supposed to just step in, indeed. say a Into piece, the, uh, yeah. off you go. Into the small dark box with a man yeah. sitting on the other side of the screen. Not yeah. creepy at all. Not yeah, at all. Not at all. <laughs> <gasps> Anyways, <laughs> just having a flashback to the childhood. So, uh, yep. <laughs> Anyways, so apologies are important. <laughs> yes, they are important. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. For me, one of the things is just really so it is about saying sorry. Um, but I think it's about how we treat the other person when they make mistakes, because mm. I think that's often a real kind of challenge. Because as humans, we can really enjoy kind of taking that kind of, you know, that higher space of well, kind of a you know, I I would have done it differently. I knew better than you did, um, and we enjoy then kind of explaining that Mm -hmm. to our partners Mm -hmm. and I think that is where we get a lot of challenges and problems because if we're taking that position we are automatically assuming that we're we're right they're wrong we know better than they do and you start to kind of have an unleveling in the relationship where you haven't got an equal partnership Mm, right right of course yeah yeah so I mean this hot topic is actually there's a strength to this question Mm. is there room is there grace yeah for mistakes or and I I love the word grace so Mm. somebody that I know uses it quite quite frequently and every time she uses it I'm like oh yeah I remember that word it just kind of has a really nice kind of um I don't know settling a nice vibe to it it's just it's almost like 
putting on a kind of warm, cozy blanket, I think, when you think of the word grace. <laughs> and, and I'm going to wrap you in my blanket too. Oh. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grace. Mm-hmm. Grace to self. Yeah. Grace to our partner. Oftentimes, I notice that people who have difficulty giving grace to their partner are people who ultimately can't give grace to themselves. So usually... Yeah. Judgment on their partner is just a tiny fraction of the nuclear waste that is the judgment onto themselves. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and judgment is such a great word that connects with this, isn't it? Because if we, because who are we to say whether something's a mistake or not? Mm -hmm. And we all grow from experiences. So Mm -hmm. maybe I'm just growing. I'm not making any mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know. Yeah. Who's to say what I'm doing? Right. If we take the mistake term out of it, because there are no mistakes, mm. you know, is that yeah. I'm growing and I'm stumbling a bit. It's like yeah. any kid who learns how to ride their bike, they're going to be wobbling a bit. They're not going to be yeah. certain. They're going to fall over. And they were learning and growing and learning and growing yeah. involves stumbling and falling. So yeah. what would you like? So imagine you're coaching two folks about how to right size their expectations of themselves and each other in a relationship in terms of how you learn and grow, like when you stumble, mm-hmm. how can you still remain accountable and loving and kind to your partner when you're stumbling or they're stumbling and not showing up hundred percent for your expectations, let's just say, mm-hmm. what would be a better commitment rather than I won't make any mistakes? I think the commitment is about, you know, going back to being able to try your best to consider yourself, your partner and your relationship. So thinking about those kind of three um, elements, how they fit together and um, and how can you make that the best that it can be? Mm. Because it has to be the combination of three things. It's not about just the relationship. It's not just about you. It's not just about your partner. You need that balance and that'll, that'll ebb and flow at times. And sometimes we need a little bit more in the relationship. You know, maybe we need kind of 50% in there this week because it's, it's just one of those weeks Mm. (laughs) and you know and I can give kind of you know maybe then equal foot into to me and my partner and then on other weeks you might have more balance so you know it might be a third in each and on another time it may be actually do you know what I need I need to give myself a bit more and so it's considering all the time how can I consider those three elements what is it that we need this week collectively or individually um, and how can I just be the best I can in in the in the moments that we've got? Oh, that's another yeah. I think the other thing that's worth mentioning as well is um, not holding on to the past stuff that's happened. Like, mm. I mean, I have got a shit memory when it comes to stuff. Mm, me <laughs> so too. I wouldn't be able to do this even if I tried. Um, but you get this often in relationships where people will drag things up from the past and they'll be like. Yeah, but, you know, remember when you did such and such and it comes up and t- and and you see that same kind of cyclical pattern that happens and the same then mistakes get dragged out the closet. We've got to be able to let go of things. We've got to be able to forget and to forgive and move on mm-hmm. when things do happen because things mm-hmm. are going to happen. We've got to yeah. expect in life we are two different human beings and we see the world in two different ways. We are never going to see to eye, eye to eye all the time, even mm. in the most wonderful of relationships. Word. <laughs> yes, so true. There, that's it. Oh, I'm done. Oh, no, so we've got true. a question yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yes. Oh. It's so, like, I actually feel like we could talk about this for a very long time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But that makes me feel, um, yeah, mm. I feel good. Good. Yeah. 
All right, while you're in a good space, let's skip to a question. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> Today's question. Are you ready to listen? It's a reasonable learn they want to do. Oh, yes. Okay. I feel lost and alone. My husband just doesn't understand. He asks me what's wrong and then dismisses my answer. I'm no longer attracted to him because he dismisses me. He's a good dad and a hardworking man, but we need help and he's refusing to go to therapy. I'm stuck. Oh, wow. Yeah, I see a lot of this. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that I see two people just like, you know, we just referenced a second ago. Is I, I, honestly, I hear and see two people working very hard, but neither of them understand each other or see what the other is doing yeah. as effort. Yeah, I was going to say. And also, I think they're working very hard, but very hard individually is what I would say. Abs- and not constructively at all and no. deconstructively. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not, they, they both think that they're trying really hard in the relationship and doing the things that they should be to make it happen mm. and work. And But they're not, they're absolutely not meeting each other's needs, as you say, yeah. because they're not connected. And um, there's just a bit more that needs to be done, I think, to try and yeah. get them into the same position, yeah. if that's possible. If it's, yeah. No, yeah. and, you know, I, I, I hear that both people are having a terrible time. They feel terribly about themselves. Yeah. They feel terrible about the situation, the relationship mm. and where it's at. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So I'm curious, what do you think is going on with a husband? A lot of time you can get this situation where people who have never, ever discussed emotions, mm. never, ever talked about feelings, have never really kind of delved deep. Things have often been brushed under the carpet in their kind of, you know, family past history or in other relationships. Um, they don't know how to um, how to sit down and, and listen. I mean, listening is a hard, quite a hard skill, right? Um, mm-hmm. I still have to practice it quite a lot mm. at times. I know I can be away with the fairies. <laughs> you know, there's a, I mean, there's a lot going on inside my own head. So then to allow somebody else's conversations to go mm-hmm. in there as well, yeah. quite hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. But to actually truly listen to somebody because you want to hear them and understand where they're coming from is quite a, a tough skill. And we're not taught it. We're not often taught it through role modeling mm-hmm. either. Um, so we have to consciously commit to it and try it out and um and and get better and and flex that muscle Mm -hmm. um I think there's also that if I don't if I don't hear it then I don't feel pressure to fix it Mm. oh my gosh yes okay yes and I I hear the husband making effort because this Mm. person asking the question says he asks me what's wrong so he's trying something he's trying to communicate he's trying to he knows that there's a problem he knows that asking his partner is important I'd, the only thing i'd say there though is you know it's how you ask the question oh he's probably because number if, one doing it if, in a terrible way if you just kind of ask the question kind of like if if some often in this type of situation we get one person in this one you know let's say the wife because uh, she's the one raising the question who also can't communicate by the way because oh, otherwise yeah, of course she would sit down and go this is how I'm feeling I just want to explain it in a kind of calm rational manner um and I, I I get this right I get exactly where she's coming from it's hard 
So to sit down and say, kind of, look, this is this is how I'm feeling. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of um, self-awareness and, and understanding. It also takes um, a lot of, you know, emotional intelligence to be able to manage it and deliver it in such a way that isn't then going to kind of spark a big reaction mm. back and you end up in this kind of cycle of destruction. So I, I think, you know, she, I would imagine the scenario is she's kind of sat there being quite quiet, withdrawn, not really expressing how she's feeling and showing that she's dissatisfied in other ways through mm. body language and, and other behavior. He may come along and go, what's wrong? Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> now, faced with that, right? Yeah. Like that doesn't say to me actually that you want to know what's wrong. That just says to me, you're pissed off with my behavior <laughs> and right. that's your response. So that right. could be, I'm not saying that it is, but it's another way that maybe he's not that interested. He's just, he's fed up of the situation that they're in and that's his reaction to it. Yes, but I, I actually coach a lot of men. It's like deathmatch all over again. I know, I love it. No, I, I coach a lot of men who've been sent to coaching by their partners. Yeah. Like, that or else we'll get divorced. And yeah. and what I realized, they actually, they're, they're in a terrified st state. They don't know yeah. what's going on. They know something's really broken. They know their partner is unhappy. They feel completely power, powerless, worthless, etc. Yeah. Stunted and lack of confidence. And it tends to come out in defensiveness. So they'll ask, well, yeah. what's wrong? Yeah. And then dismissing the answer is actually along the lines of the toxic positivity. Is like they can't yeah. handle the truth. So they'll... Yeah basically you like can handle that <laughs> exactly <laughs> right jack nicholson thank you so much um dismissing the answer is not having the emotional skills to be able to sit with hard truths mm. because you know and again yeah. a lot of partners want to just fix things right they don't they don't yeah. if they can't fix it well what good are they listening yeah. what you know so when you know what's wrong well i'm really sad i'm really unhappy i'm really frustrated rather than being like oh that's really hard tell yeah. me more right <laughs> then like well but you know this that the other smooth it away you know so yeah. i see this There's constant that kind of counter argument that says well these are the reasons why you shouldn't be or right. this is what you need to do instead y yes um, yeah here's my Which, advice yeah. crack on with it doesn't involve right. me go and make yourself happy right <laughs> And, and, and just, it's a hot, cause emotional, diff, like negative emotions are a hot potato. We try to get it out of our hands and out yeah, yeah. of the room as fast <laughs> yeah, as I'm possible. I'm going to pass them to you and you can deal with them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Most of the time, the men that I coach, this is exactly like they have every good intention. They have no idea how, so their skills yeah. are terrible. And trust me, like, unless they're like a narcissist or sociopath, like they feel horrible. Yeah. And oftentimes the partner is not giving any grace. That's that grace word again, right? So yeah. we expect our partners to be able to handle our emotions like our girlfriends do with like amazing yeah. intuition and blah, blah. And when they don't, it's like expecting a gymnast to do like the final dismount with like a six out of six score, right? We have yeah. huge expectations. So when our partner fumbles the ball and is less mm. than perfect execution on handling our emotions we shut down and we yeah. 
we're no longer attracted to him those dimness though they make it look so easy (laughs) and it's like your friends right so your friends make it look so easy like because we've been practicing to talk to my friends because we have been socialized to hold each other's emotions but you know if we're heterosexual women and we're in relationships with men they have not been socialized Mm. to and not to give them a pass but just to say they've never ever been taught not all men i mean yeah we can't not a woman, I would say. Well, everybody I coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it must be true then. <laughs> you know, I know it's so true. No, I mean, I have. So the funny thing is, in my coaching of men, I find myself doing a lot of interpretation. Like, this yeah. is what she means. This is what she feels. And this is what she wants. She says she wants one thing, but actually there's an unwritten assignment here that yeah. you actually have to do. So there's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of stuff about if you're, you know, with a woman, there's a lot of stuff to to know but we're all complex even you know we it's often that thing where they say like females are complex men are just simple Uh, that's actually not true like no of course it's not it's like um you know the fact is we're we're all human and we're all complex so and we're all viewing the world in a different slightly different way um slightly different kind of tint to it i find that you know in heterosexual relationships women's needs are very vocal and apparent Mm. and they often drive the the dissatisfaction or the narrative of the relationship men's needs are very quiet but Mm. they tend to sort of fester and they tend to like unless we they can be like sort of the the dark side of the moon in terms of what's really going on in the relationship and there's there's really no sort of forum on which to even explore those needs they don't even know yeah um yeah so i think yeah going back to this question i think what would be like a really interesting exercise is if they both sat down and wrote um some of the things that they're feeling thinking some of the needs that they have um you know which needs are getting met which aren't like you know um where do they see the positives and the negatives in the relationship it would be really interesting to for both parties to do that and to Mm -hmm. swap pieces of paper and to Mm -hmm. see and i bet you there are some similarities on there Mm, 100% and and that then gives you kind of a bit of a foundation to then work on doesn't it um to say okay well look these are some of the similar needs that we both have that aren't getting met why don't we try and focus on some of those Mm -hmm. so the first question would be willingness for me so I've got totally like I'm saying this and I'm going you know (laughs) yeah that unlikely to do it well, no, but they maze. And and this mm. is where, so there's a couple of things. Like, number one, I'm I'm going to be asking the person who asked the question, right? I'm no longer attracted to him. So how much gas do we have in the tank? Like, are you a foot out the door already? Mm. Or is there any gas in the tank to start to bring something new, to, to yeah. try something new, right? He says he's refusing to go to therapy. Okay. Um, therapy has like sort of a connotation, it's right? It's got a so negative connotation. To it, it, yeah, it does. Completely. This is a couple I would like to coach together. Mm. And my ask of the person asking the question would be like, would you be open to at least just having a conversation, the three of us, Yeah, just an intro conversation, because refusing to go to therapy, because you kind of have this thought of like, you're going to be on a couch talking about your childhood. Mm. And certainly in coaching, it very often comes up like, you know, our work could be more efficient together if you were to be open to going to address that part of your childhood or early life experience that seems to be coming up again and again and is a bit of a hurdle in the work together. But, you know, there's a lot of forward movement that these two people can do. I'd be just itching to get them Mm. in a conversation in a three-way. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then, it, beautiful, and then if there's buy-in on both sides to start to do some work where they, you know, go away and uh, yeah. what are the needs that are being met? What are the needs that are not being met? You know, what what, what are, what's my perception of the problem here? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. It is such a common thing, though, that comes up. I think um, I see it quite a lot where people just are not connected, mm. not on the same page. We're not, we don't know how to listen to each other. We don't. I know that firsthand. Mm. I agree. We don't. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, like, in, in a situation where there's two things, number one, there's a will. And don't judge yourself if there's not. A lot of people come to me, they're already out the door. Yeah. And and that is what it is. Yeah. If there's a will, if there's if there's just a little bit of gas to try to change or to try to show up in a, in a different way, then that's good. And then we can always learn communication strategies that we've never learned before. These mm-hmm. these are teachable, and you know, by starting to see some movement and seeing your partner also make some movement, it can really breathe some really cool life in. Yeah. But yeah. And we know that we need to learn communication. When we first come out of the womb, we can't even speak. <laughs> Isn't that funny, right? Yeah. We so get we taught that it's, formally. We yeah. know it's not a natural thing that just kind of <laughs> pops up. We've created yeah. those pathways, those neural pathways that allow us to connect words and sentences together to use them. We can extend those pathways to allow us to do that in a much more responsive way. You raise a really great point there. I, I have a client who sees the young son of one of his old friends and the young son is now in his early 20s and this son has sort of visited and he was he spent the whole evening engaging the entire family with asking curious questions Mm. getting curious and he just had everybody just so engaged and connected together Mm. and this kid right just like Mm. a kid in his early 20s and he has these skills but you know why because his father is like that yeah And so it seems that, oh, this is just a kid who just is natural at asking curious questions. That behavior has been modeled to him for 20 years. Yeah, it's role modeling completely. And it creates those natural pathways without you even realizing. So whether we formally learn things or informally learn things, we are learning communication. And so nothing ever comes naturally. Malcolm Gladwell, we have to all do our 10,000 hours to get good at Mm -hmm. anything. Nobody's naturally gifted at anything. So communication you know, give yourself a pass. Again, if you're not somebody who can ask curious questions, I got you. You never had that happen. You never had to. So, but we can actually learn to tap into curiosity or learn to tap into being able to sit with difficult emotions and listen and not have to act. I definitely agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, well, what a time in the world this is. I know it is. It feels like things are really, um, I don't know, I feel like we're in, we're going into a time of change, Mm. not just because the Queen has passed, but Mm -hmm. I think generally there's that kind of vibe in the air. I don't know whether it's to do with the moon and the stars and all of those lovely things, Um, Mm. but I do feel like we're in a time of change. I agree with you. I think we are. I haven't quite worked out if it's good change or not, though. (laughs) Neither have I. (laughs) I know. I know. So let's watch this space. (laughs) Let's watch the space, everyone. Absolutely. I'm hopeful that it's a a good change. I I, agree. (laughs) I tell you what, I've had a lot of crap to put up with recently, so I'm I'm definitely hoping it's a good change. Oh, me too. (laughs) It's funny. Our lives are mirroring, and I think, yeah, watch the space, because um, we bring our professional perspective to our podcast but we also bring our own personal lives to this podcast so 
Um, when we say change is afoot, I, we, we say that because we see our clients going through that, the world going through it and we're going through it. So, um, I feel like it's all in the mix. Ah, all right. All right. Well, well, thank you. It's about wine o'clock for you over there. Ooh, nearly. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Packed up a bit now. Oh, (laughs) not to encourage uh, alcohol as winding down because as you have seen recent studies coming out, like alcohol is far more toxic to us than we thought. Mm. They're actually starting to think about putting a cancer warning on alcohol bottles. Mm. Um, Anything like even over six drinks a week for women is like we're realizing is just putting us at great danger. So I think I got to stop my two glasses of wine by the lakeside every night. (laughs) yeah, I kind of do think there's nothing left we can do, though. <laughs> that is very true. The only advice is um, you've got to eat, eat healthily, you've got to drink lots of water, you've got to take exercise, and uh, sure. that's it. Stress reduction. Everything else is off limits. <laughs> yeah. Keep your screens off, out of the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Okay, all right. I'm going to go and um, shut, myself, <laughs> shut myself away and eat a lettuce sandwich. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. <laughs> all righty, well, it was all a right, pleasure everybody. as always. Thank you. Thank you. And um, till next time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.